Welcome to the Padres Chair, a commentary on real-life issues that can take many of us to a breaking point. Presented by Dr. Tim Schroeder, the Padres Chair provides insight, hope, and encouragement from the perspective of time-proven truths found in the Bible. In this six-episode podcast series titled Insurmountable Odds, Tim addresses the unusual circumstances surrounding COVID-19, economic hardship, racial tension, injustice, and the honest challenge we all face of knowing how to live well and honorably in 2020. Here's Tim. Thank you for joining me as we look for insight and hope in what have turned out to be some pretty unusual times. Our goal for this time is really quite simple. It's to use the wisdom found in the scriptures as a compass to help us navigate our lives. Well, if we can take even a small step in that direction, I'd consider that a win. Hey, two quick notes, and then we'll hit the ground running. First, I really want you to know that this podcast is not intended to replace the regular nourishment you receive from your local church. This is an extra supplement to your diet. Second, let me explain the title. What in the world is a Padre's chair? Padre is a term that's been gaining a lot of meaning for me lately. It's originally from the Latin and it emerged into the Spanish language to simply mean father. Then it evolved in military and police circles to describe their chaplains. So it's not at all uncommon for me these days to encounter members from the police family and have them call out to me, hey, good morning, Padre. And I find it both very endearing and humbling. My role as Padre is to provide a worldview that possesses the wisdom of the ancient scriptures. And so these moments are simply that, a view from the Padre's chair. So with that background, let's go. A couple days ago, my neighbor had several massive trees cut down in his backyard. Seizing the opportunity to use some of the larger stumps for landscaping, I asked if I could have them. Absolutely, said, help yourself. The problem is our backyard is on the side of a mountain and I needed to get those stumps uphill to the front yard. They were much too heavy to carry up the hill, and if I ever got them rolling down the mountainside, they'd instantly demolish any vehicle on the road below. Yet, downhill was the only real option. Slowly but surely, I inched them down the slope. You know where this is going, don't you? They make movies about this sort of thing. Halfway down the hill, I ran out of steam. I was exhausted, the ground was slippery, and it was all I could do to keep those logs from rolling right over top of me. There was no way to go back up and no more energy to control the downward roll. And there I stood, stranded, with no good option available. If you've never been in a position like that, then this podcast may not be for you. If you've never had that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach that if just one more thing goes wrong, life will roll right over you. If you receive just one more piece of bad news, if one more home appliance breaks down or there's one more vehicle repair bill, if one more kid gets sick, if there's one more argument with your spouse, one more unreasonable expectation from your boss, you're going to drown. Or in a broader but very real sense, And if there's one more COVID-19 outburst, one more instance of violence or brutality, one more protest, one more newscast that doesn't let you sleep, 
These are the kinds of moments I've labeled the breaking point. Whenever you find yourself facing insurmountable odds. That's precisely where we find the star of this series, who's a guy named Gideon. We're going to come back to him in a minute, but first let's visit the larger scene. From as far back as my memory goes, I've been fascinated by the role giants play in the Bible. Like, who are those oversized men and why are they part of the biblical narrative? Like you, I, I suspect the first giant I ever heard about was a guy named Goliath, who, unless you buy into the interpretation by best-selling author Malcolm Gladwell, was defeated by the completely mismatched shepherd boy named David. Gladwell, incidentally, suggests David wasn't actually such an underdog, but that's for another day. The way the story was always told to me, David was facing horrible odds. Then, then as I grew older, I discovered there were more giants in the Bible. In 2 Samuel, there's another big fellow named Ishbi Benob, whose mission it was to kill David. This guy had a bronze spearhead that weighed seven and a half pounds. If you've ever done any track and field, you know it takes a pretty good bicep to wave that around on the end of a javelin. Then there's that infamous story of the 12 spies sent to scout the promised land. And 10 of them came back and said, it's a great land, but unfortunately we can't have it. People there are huge. In fact, to underscore the point, they said, they're so big, we're like grasshoppers in comparison. As I became increasingly familiar with accounts like those in the Bible, I started to wonder, what's the point? Why are all these huge obstacles included in such detail? In fact, if you move beyond the literal giants and start including the figurative giants in the equation, the biblical list is almost endless. And there's Moses with an egotistical pharaoh on one side and a host of grumbling Israelites on the other, and he's supposed to try to start an exodus. Then you see Esther at a time in history when women were horribly disadvantaged, and she was called to risk her life to defeat a plot to euthanize her entire race. There's Elijah on Mount Carmel squaring off with an angry King Ahab and 450 antagonized prophets of Baal. Over and over, accounts are told where people are confronted by insurmountable odds. And over the years, as I've experienced more and more of life, the less I've wondered why those stories are there. Because I've discovered that is exactly how life is. Those accounts ring absolutely true to the way you and I know life to be. And... I can't remember when the giants ever seemed larger than they do today. Let's be honest, our whole world is at the breaking point. First came reports that there was a novel virus somewhere far away. And as we so often do, we, we just dismissed it because it was far away. But then those distant reports came close. The impact of the virus itself was profound. It brought with it not only illness and death, but things like separation anxiety, especially for the really young who couldn't go to school or play with their friends, or for the really old who were confined to long-term care homes with no visits. And it started impacting not just the lives of hundreds of thousands of people, but people we know. Then came the impact of the attempts to halt that virus, the layoffs and the cutbacks, businesses one after the other going bankrupt jobs forever lost. None of us has ever experienced anything like this. 
Then, just about when that wave was more than we could take, another wave hit. Racial tension, exacerbated by the murder of George Floyd. His death didn't cause the tension. It revealed the cause, something called encoded injustice. And all the injustice that was simmering just beneath the surface suddenly boiled over. I'm not sure any of us has ever witnessed the world at such a breaking point. Night after night, for months now, newscasts have left most of us sitting in stunned silence, facing insurmountable odds. How are you coping with all this? Enter into that experience the story of our friend Gideon, found in the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 6, 7, and 8. Three chapters that are going to be our point of reference for all six segments of this podcast series. Let me read the setup to the story to get us started. I'm reading from Judges 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, in caves, strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. They didn't spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep or cattle or donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. That counts as insurmountable odds, don't you think? What do you do when life takes you to a breaking point like that? For this first episode, I'm going to highlight only two appropriate responses. There will be more coming in following segments, but let's just start with two. Here they are. What do you do when life takes you to the breaking point? First, pay attention to how you got there. I'm not saying this to assign any blame. I'm certainly not saying it to induce guilt. But whenever you find yourself in a really tough spot, it always pays to figure out how you got there. Stay, stay with me, because if you can figure out how you got there, the moment is not wasted. You can learn something that will help you going forward. The problem is, this isn't something most of us are very good at. Old-time preacher and author John Butler says that most of us have a tendency to focus on secondary causes of our situation. We ignore the primary or real cause. That's exactly what we find in the story of Gideon. I'm not sure you noticed because I read it rather quickly, but in the verses from the Bible that I read, out of the first six verses, four of them are spent describing the extent of the problem rather than its cause. Four of them talk about how big and strong and bad and devastating Midian was. Four of them talk about how they pillaged and ravaged and destroyed Israel's resources. Man, they were real good at blaming Midian. I do that. I'm not an expert at many things, but I'll tell you this. I'm an expert at describing my problems. And I put money down that you are too. The point, however, is that Midian was a secondary cause. The primary cause for their predicament is found in the opening words of the story, where in one brief, terse statement, we read these words. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. 
Midian was just a symptom of the situation. The real problem ran a lot deeper. The real problem had to do with their own behavior. Now, let's be crystal clear. Many things happen in our lives that aren't our fault, that we do not cause. Furthermore, even when we have contributed to the problem, that breaking point is not usually the time where it's very helpful to point that out to someone else. Doing so can actually be not only not helpful, it can be cruel. It's called kicking someone when they're down. But there comes a time when if we're going to learn, if we're going to grow, if we're going to move forward from our breaking point, where it becomes extremely beneficial to figure out how we got there. And so if I might speak as a padre, as a father, if you're at a breaking point today, don't assume the posture of victim. Rise up and harvest the value of the experience by figuring out all the factors that contributed to you being there and vow to let that learning help you move forward. That's the first response. Let me just give you one more today. Whenever you find yourself at a breaking point, and this is a lot deeper than it sounds, ask for help. Ask for help. If you don't read the account carefully, you'll miss something here. A casual reading will have you move quickly to verse 6, and we say, you know, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And, and you'll think to yourself, well, yeah, that makes sense. But if you get there too quickly, you miss one very important detail. Verse 1 tells us that this problem had been going on for seven years. It took Israel seven years before they finally acknowledged that they couldn't handle it on their own. You know, I... I hesitate to say too much about this because I've already admitted that it was just a couple days ago I tried to roll heavy logs down a mountainside by myself because I was too proud to admit I needed help. And I almost got rolled right over. It's hard to admit that we can't handle life by ourselves. Pride is a massive obstacle. But here's a truth that you want to pay very close attention to. Life was never intended to be lived independently. From the beginning of creation, when God saw Adam alone, he said, hey, this is not good. Life is intended, first and most importantly, to be lived in intimate relationship with God, and secondly, with others. Independence and isolation almost always take us to breaking point situations. It's not in today's text, but the whole point of this larger story is that when Israel finally got around to crying for help, God heard, and he was moved. I've discovered that sometimes I don't ask for help because I'm too embarrassed. I have messed up, which contributed to the problem, and I've, I'm too ashamed. I, I feel I don't deserve help, so I stay silent and struggle on my own. That outlook of life that I only get what I deserve is rooted in a fatal and flawed misunderstanding of the nature of God. We tend to think he sees us the way we see ourselves. One of my old mentors said something 50 years ago I've never forgotten. He said, God made us in his image, and ever since, we've been returning the favor. We put our perspective on him. We think he sees us like we see us. And when we do that, what we miss is probably the single most important concept in history, something called grace, which is right at the center of God's nature. You see, we don't need to deserve God. 
We just need to need them. Those of us who know the Bible, we tend to make a lot of how often the children of Israel screwed up. They got in trouble, and they'd cry to God, he'd help them. Then they'd forget about him, they'd screw up again, get in trouble again, cry out, he'd help them again. And that cycle just repeats over and over. And we tend to think to ourselves how bad they were in repeating that cycle. And we realize how much like them we are. And so when we mess up, we sometimes hesitate to call out to God in our broken places. And we miss the most important theme of this story. When they cried, God heard and he moved. And he does it again and again and again. And he does it today. And he'll do it for you, he'll do it for me, and he'll do it for our broken world. Join me for the next segment to this story to see how God's intervention unfolds. Thank you for joining the Padres Chair. We hope that you walk away from this moment with lots to think about and some deeply ingrained hope. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.